Um, amen? I think we had church already. Let's just go home. And No. No, actually, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get snacky and... Um, our kind of go-to as a family seems to be cereal. In fact, if, if Becky and I are like we're out busy and we don't have time to make dinner and we tell the kids they're on their own, guarantee that's what they have for, for dinner is a, a big bowl of cereal, right? Yeah, exactly. I think Megan would live on it if she could. Um, so let's say, for example, you, you get hungry, you're ready for a snack, so you go to the pantry and you, you grab some cereal and we love great value or Aldi or whatever the case might be, but, you know, Reese Puffs, right? Or as they call them, peanut butter chocolate puffs, which doesn't fit into their commercial wrap so much, right? And this is unheard of. There's actually cereal in here. Anybody in their families, you go to the pantry and you grab a box and it's like, uh, when it's empty, throw it away. Anybody else? Yeah. So you, 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 grab, you go to your pantry, you grab your cereal, and you go to the table and you pour yourself a nice big bowl of cereal, right? And I used to only like dry cereal, but, you know, in my old age, now I, I like milk on my cereal. I can't eat it any other way. So you go to the fridge, grab a gallon of milk, you know, and so you go over and, and you make sure that you got plenty, right? You know? And, and then you... Uh, you know, then you go over to the, the cupboard, the cupboard in the drawer, and you grab yourself, right, a bowl and a spoon, right? And, and so you go back over to the table, and you put that down, and you're ready to have your snack, right? But there's nothing to eat here. This is chaotic mess. I, I poured out all this cereal and all this milk, but I've got nothing to show for it, Right? The point that the Lord is driving home tonight, tonight, I lost track of days, this morning, is this point that you can do all of the right things in life, even the things he's calling you to do, but if you don't do them in the right order, you end up with this. But if you do it in the right order, remember last week, the season of preparation, if if you let the Lord prepare you, prepare a place, you trust in Him, and you do things the way He has called you to, you would go get your bowl first, right? And then you would pour your cereal, and then you would pour your milk, and then you would actually have a snack, right? This delicious treat. And prayerfully you do it before you do that. And then you've got a snack to eat, right? Not only that, not only that, now is this not only a blessing to me, but I can take this and deliver it to somebody else, right? Enjoy. <laughs> but <laughs> isn't that so much neater than this? And again, I didn't do anything wrong here, right? I did all the right things. I poured out cereal, I poured out milk, I got my, my bowl, I got my spoon. I did all the right things, but I didn't do them in the right order. Priorities are so important in life, and especially in the kingdom of God. And if we don't get our priorities right... This is what our lives look like. They're a mess. 
enough is never enough. You know, I could pour this entire thing out and I start to be able to eat a little bit, but it's still a mess, right? I mean, it's just chaos. And if I'm going to be honest this morning, this is why this message is kind of for me as much as it is anyone else. My life kind of looks like this at times, you know? A little chaotic, a little messy, never have enough time for anything, never have enough money for anything. There is a season when Becky, yeah, I know I'm a mess, that's, I'm used to that. Anybody else like, I can't eat anything without getting it all over me. Like, it just, whatever. <laughs> I've just come to expect it at this point. I won't say anything about my lovely wife, my, my beautiful bride. I won't say anything about, yeah, her eating habits. But, priorities. We're going to at least get us back to Jones Church. The rest of us are going to dive a little deeper into this. Um, yes, absolutely. So, priorities in life. It's amazing to think about that this can be the case. And it seems kind of silly to see it this way, but in all honesty, many of us, we really do live our lives this way. We're doing what's right, and we even get frustrated and go to God and be like, God, I don't understand this. Why? I did this. I did that, right? Didn't the person say to Jesus, but Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. I did all these things. And Jesus said, you're an evildoer. Get away from me. I don't know you. I don't know about you, but I want my life to look like this. And I absolutely don't want to stand before Jesus on that day and hear that I've wasted my life. I did all these things, but they all came to nothing because I didn't do them the way God was calling me to. I didn't have my priorities straight. It's just like the old idiom says, right? First things first. Seems like common sense, but common sense isn't so common these days, is it? Common sense is not all that common. Priorities are so critically important in life, and especially in our new life in Christ. We have to roll before we can crawl. We have to crawl before we can stumble around and walk, and we have to walk before we can run, at least generally speaking. I think Meg was a runner. She went from like crawling to running. There was no in-between. I think she was the one, her Bethany. Becky could correct me, but anyways, yeah. Generally speaking, you have to do one before the other, one foot in front of the other. There's priorities. There's, there's, there's a reason for doing things a certain way and not trying to take shortcuts. Just look back with Abraham and Sarah's story. God had made a promise. He knew how it was going to happen, but they decided to do things on their own. Didn't turn out very well. They still received the blessing, still received the promise, because every word of God is yes and amen. But man, they had a mess in the midst of it because of their trying to do things their own way. What they seemed was right. They weren't like rebelling against God intentionally, but they were rebelling against God ignorantly because they just tried to do it on their own, what they thought was right. First are very important in life, aren't they? Um, you know, you got your first step, your first kiss, your, your first home run, your first word, um, you know, your first tooth, your first, uh, you know, game animal that you harvest, right? You know, we've got, I mean, so many firsts. Every first in life is so important. In fact, we have a baby book for Nate, you know, that has all of his firsts. We have a half-filled-out baby book of Beth, Beth, uh, Megan and some of her firsts, and Bethany's is still in the wrapper, but... They, they found this out the other day. I have to confess. <laughs> Oops, 
sorry. But first, they're important, and it's important to document them and to celebrate them and to rejoice in them, right? First, they're so important, especially throughout Scripture. In both the Old and the New Covenants, the Old and, and New Testament, we see this critical importance of firstborn and first fruits, of firsts. Firsts are very important to God. These were actually both to be consecrated to God. They are holy, they're hallowed, they're, they're blessed, they're, they're set apart, they're sacred. They're, they are supposed to be devoted to Him. The first belongs to God. God first. And this was the case at the very beginning. Before even the law of Moses existed, we found a, a couple of different accounts showing this reality, that proving that, because really when we do that, when we give our first to God, our best to God, that shows that everything that we have belongs to God and, and that he deserves our first, right? He deserves it. He is worthy of it. He, um, you know, is, is deserving to be honored by it. And we see this very first first back in Genesis chapter 4 when mankind was first created. It says, now Abel kept flocks. Do I have, yeah, nope, I'm ahead of myself. I'm sorry. There it is. Back in Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. Now, Abel kept the flocks. Most of us are familiar with this story, all right? Not a gun problem, a heart problem. Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. They both had their role to play. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. See, I'd never, I'd never sold this before. I always scratched my head and wondered why God looked on one with favor and the other he didn't. But there's a key in that. And we read on and we see that um, so brought, they brought their offerings to the Lord. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and on his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look on it with favor. So Cain was angry. His face was downcast. And we all know the story. God warned Cain not to let sin have him. It's like sin wants to devour you. You gotta rise above it. And Cain gave into it anyways, right? And he killed his brother. But do you see what happened here? Cain brought some of the fruits. Abel brought the first fruits, the firstborn, the best fat. He brought the backstraps, you know. He gave those to God. And Abel just or Cain just brought, you know, some of the, the fruits that he had grown. First fruits are important, very important to God. And to be honest, I don't even think it was so much about the content of their offering, what they brought to the Lord. I think it was their heart, their motive behind bringing it. Abel knew that the Lord deserved our best, not our leftovers. Cain just knew he had to bring an offering, so, eh. Here's some, and he brought it and gave it to the Lord. It's more about our heart and our attitude behind giving. We also see this happening with Abraham and uh, the priest Melchizedek, right? Long before Moses and the Old Covenant law. However, it was certainly a part of the law as well as we read in Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 through 2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb, among the Israelites belongs to me, whether it's human or animal. And 
Thankfully, by saying to consecrate them and to get, dedicate to them and to bring them as an offering, that, that didn't mean to kill them. Otherwise, we wouldn't have Nate here, right? <laughs> didn't offer them up as an offering in that way. But there's something about spiritually just setting apart, dedicating something to the Lord. Your first fruits, the very first. And then again, we see this here in Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 9 to 14. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say this to them. Whenever you finally enter in the land that I'm giving you, you'll reap its harvest. Bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He's to wave that sheaf before the Lord. And that's, you get the old hymn, you know, bring in the sheaves, bring in the sheaves. Right? Yep, this is part of that. Of course, there's a New Testament sheaves we get to bring in too. The harvest, the lost, bringing them into the kingdom. But he said that the first ones belong to him. And on the day that you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb, a year old without defect, together with its grain offering, two tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil, a food offering presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering, a quarter of a hin of wine. You must not eat any bread or roast or grain. You must not eat anything until the very day that you bring this offering to the Lord your God. And this is to be a lasting ordinance for all the generations to come, wherever you may live. First things first. God first. And then we get to hog out, right? You bring that, that, that offering to the Lord, and then they got to have the rest of the harvest. It was theirs. But that first part, the best part, belonged to the Lord. That's a hard thing to give. When it, It'd be easy for me to give a, a sheaf of grain because I don't think really too much of it, but this was their economy. A, a firstborn lamb without defect? I mean, I, I've read studies that say that that was worth about a year of our salary now. And they just had to go and give it away to the Lord. Just give it away to him. Sacrifice it to him. But there is something so freeing. So freeing. When you give up your rights, it's mine, mine, mine. And you just say, Lord, all I have is yours. Take it. And I'll tell you, that's where everything else makes sense. When you put first things first, you are blessed, and you're a blessing to others, and your life isn't chaos, and enough is never enough. When you just put first things first, it's so simple, yet we make it so hard. And it tests our heart. It tests our attitude, our motives. Is Jesus really Lord of our life? And trust me, in this decision, we're going to be walking by faith, you know, coming back here full time. Church doesn't have enough to give, and it's, even what they have to give isn't going to be enough for us to make ends meet. But we're walking by faith. Because we believe the harvest is coming. And so we put the Lord first and we trust him. He's going to work all things out. He always has before. He has always faithfully worked everything out. Everything. And that's really what practically reminds ourselves of that reality. That God is ultimately our true provider. So we give back to him our first and our best. Most of us are familiar with these few verses here. These few verses. And we have a tendency to read the first couple and miss the next few, as we often do in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verse um, somewhere through here. Proverbs. Sorry. Yeah, there it is. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in Him with everything. Lean not on your own understanding. Because believe you me, most things in the kingdom of God make no worldly sense. My supervisor, he was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. He's like, well, what can we do to make you stay? I'm like, um, nothing. I'm like, I told him, I said, I'll give you an example. The first time I came to New Hope full time, I sat across the desk from the, the CEO of, of Diamond and, you know, he knows him personally. And I'm like, it was like one of those, I'll give you half my kingdom. He's like, you name it, I'll give it to you. Whatever it takes to stay. Because I was actually leading the software company at that point, And I'm like, I'm taking a huge cut. Like, I'm going to follow the Lord. Like, I greatly appreciate it. I'm blessed by it. But there's nothing you could say to change my mind. And meanwhile, my flesh is like, do it, do it. <laughs> and the Spirit's like, oh, no, 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 no. I got more. I've got better things. You don't want to miss out on what I have. Don't forfeit your soul for the world, right? Even the whole world. You don't want to gain that. You want your soul to prosper, because when your soul prospers, everything else prospers as well, right? Oh, it's so good. Okay, so lean into the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your understanding, in all of your ways submit to him. He will make your path straight. He will do it all. All we have to do is just surrender to him. He works it all out. In fact, verse 7 tells us this, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This is what will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then, so this is an if then, if you do your part, God will do his part. If we honor the Lord with everything, with the first fruits, with our best, then our barns will be filled to overflowing. Our vats will brim over with new wine. Whew. And we know this, this spiritual New Testament, you know, uh, interpretation of that, this new wine. And it goes back to the initial object lesson. You know, it's not, about, it's not about our money, our time. It's not about any resource we have. Because everything we have, it was entrusted to us by the Lord in the first place. Right? It was all entrusted to us. What this is all about is about putting first things first. It's about where our own priorities, where our own values lie. What are we really trusting in? Am I trusting in my own strength? Am I trusting in my own ability to work? My, my own skills? Am I trusting in myself? Or am I trusting in the Lord? Because we've seen time and time again that everything can be stripped away from us with one phone call, one accident, one anything. And then everything that you were trusting in gets taken away and you realize that you really do ultimately have to trust in the Lord. It's way better to trust in him first before he has to kick out her lampstand or whatever, right? What happens if you don't put him first? Well, there's lots of scriptures about that as well. Let's just say that putting him first is really for our own good and our own benefit, that we put him first. It's not that you just give up and give away everything else. It's that in your heart and in your mind and in your attitude, he's getting your best. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever he's calling you to. But this is what it looks like if not. Psalm 172 verses 1 through 2. Most of us are familiar with this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In fact, this is true of too many of us. In vain, you rise up early, you stay up late, you toil, you work so hard for food to eat. But he grants sleep 
to those that he loves. And so in your life, if it seems like enough is just never enough, you work so hard, you give it your all. And it seems like the more that you work and the more that you earn and the less time and the less money you end up having. You feel like you're taking one step forward and two steps back in life. You're kept up at night worrying about how you're going to make things work and how this is going to happen and that's going to happen. If you feel that way in life, the root issue could just be as simple as priorities. Just putting the Lord first. Whatever that looks like for you could just be a matter of priorities in life. And if you're feeling that way, well, you're far, far, far from the first person to ever deal with this. In fact, most of God's people have gotten so busy in life that they've just simply forgotten to put him first. They're not meaning evil. They're not living wicked lives. They're doing good things. They're doing all the right things, but they just kind of forgot that I'm supposed to be doing these things for him. I need to be putting him first. And here's a really clear example of this, um, because I think most all of us have ended up there in some way and forced to reevaluate things. And if you turn to Haggai, this is a prophet who was sent to God's people to give them this exact message. And I believe that this prophetic message could apply to each and every one of us today. And I'm just going to read through it. And if this is you, then let's just put first things first. Easy enough, right? In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the, uh, the son of Sheatel, governor of Judah, and also to Joshua. It's a good name, right? Joshua, son of Zodiac, uh, Jezodak, the high priest. And forget all those names. This is what the Lord says. That's the important part, right? These people, they say... It's not time yet. It's not time to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you just to build yourselves up, living in your own houses while my house remains in a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about this. Use the brain I gave you. Think about it. You've planted a lot. But you harvest little. You eat, but you just never quite have enough. You drink, but never to your fill. You put on clothes, but you're just not warm. You earn money just to put it in a purse with holes in it. Hmm. How much water do you have to put in a bucket that has holes in it before you fill it? You're going to spend the rest of your life trying to bring in enough water so that it fills up as it's emptying out, right? Does anybody ever feel like that in their life? Like the more I give, the less actually gets accomplished, you know? And this doesn't just apply to money. It applies to every area of life. This is what God says. Give careful thought to your ways and do this. Go up into the mountains, bring down some timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it, so that I may be honored. You expected much, but it turned out to be little. And whatever you brought home, God says, I blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord Almighty. Anybody else asking why? 
God, you're a good God. You're a loving Father. Why in the world would you do that to me? Why? Because you got your priorities upside down and nothing gets our attention like lack, right? Nothing gets us to God and just warring in prayer and seeking after him and reading the scriptures like lack in our lives, right? He knows us. He knows what gets our attention. It's not his plans for us. He wants to prosper us, not to harm us. But he'll let us feel a little bit of pain before we're like, God, what's happening here? This is why the Lord says he's doing it. He says, it's because of my house. It remains in ruins. Well, each one of you, you're busy with your lives. Therefore, because of you, the heavens withheld their dew, the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains and the grain and the wine and the olive oil and everything else that ever gets produced on my people, on my livestock, on all the labor of your hands. Whew. God touched everything. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's just a photo picture of the U.S. right now. Like enough's never enough. You know, prices just keep going up everywhere. And even if your salary goes up, well, inflation goes up higher. And enough is just never enough. Why? God may have a purpose in that. He's calling us back to him to put first things first. It's not that what we're doing is wrong. It's just we've got our priorities a little mixed up, right? Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, and Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people of God obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. God told them this is what's going wrong, and they're like, okay, let's do this right. That simple. That simple. They obeyed. They obeyed the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him, and they feared him. The Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the people of the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit in them. He stirred up, this, he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, the governor of Judah. He stirred up the spirit of Joshua, son of J J uh, Josadak, the high priest. The spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They all came together. They all began to work on the house of the Lord God Almighty. And they began this all on the 24th day of the sixth month. We'll call it June 24th just by going to the eye calendar, even though that's not the calendar they went by. On the 24th of June, they, they started doing that. And on the 21st day of the seventh month, in less than one month, they had been struggling and suffering, and enough was never enough for years. They gave the Lord less than a month, and everything got set right. <laughs> they just gave it to him. And it says that the Lord of the Word came through the prophet Haggai. They finished the house. And God said, ask the people who were here before, who saw the temple in its former glory, ask them how it looks now. God said, it doesn't seem like much, does it? You work for almost a month and you finish, but this doesn't look like anything like the glory of the first temple. I mean, everything was gold laid and it was just, you know, immaculate. Read about it, the, the, the first temple. This temple doesn't look like much, God said. But this is what the Lord continued to say. Be strong. Be strong. Joshua, son of Zodiac. Be strong. Zerubbabel, son of, uh, what's his face? Sheetiel. Be strong, all you people of the Lord. Be strong and work because I am with you. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. 
And my spirit, it remains strong among you this to this very day. So do not fear. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. He's going to shake it all up. Do you not feel a shaking across the nations? Whew. I'll tell you what, I shook something last night. We could not find the remote to our fire stick in our bedroom. And we shook the sheets. And out comes the remote. Woo! That's what God's doing. He's shaking things so that what is hidden may be revealed. He said, I will shake all of the nations for this puny little group's sake. He said, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, and it's soon going to be yours. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, right? Woo, and that's what keeps me going forward, especially here at New Hope. Things were great. Seems like they got really rough. But I'm standing on this word. That the previous glory is going to be nothing compared to the coming glory of the Lord. Woo! That's what God said. He said, in, in this place, I will give you peace. So what just happened makes absolutely no earthly, worldly, logical sense. They stopped building up their own lives and going about their busyness. And they decided to focus on the Lord for less than a month. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, I'm going to shake up the nations. I'm going to send gold and silver. It's all coming your way. My glory is going to rest in this place. And you're going to forget about the former house because the glory here is going to far outweigh the former. I mean, just put the Lord first. It's so simple. They just obeyed what God was calling them to do by putting him first. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were doing all the right things. But they were doing it in their own strength. They kind of forgot about God. So he had to get their attention and call them back to it. Then when they put the Lord first, they put first things first, God had something to build on. I don't know where it went, but just like that bowl. We prepared the place God had something to fill. Think about when, when, when Elijah was the prophet of Baals and, and he built an offering he built it, and then the fire of the Lord fell. We are called to be a living sacrifice. True and proper worship isn't a song and some lyrics. True and proper worship is laying down your life before the Lord so that He can raise it up. And He will raise it up in a greater glory. In fact, it says at just the right time, He will promote us. And His promotion is way better than any earthly promotion you could ever receive. Believe you me, right? He will build your life. And it'll be far greater than anything you could have built on your own, in your own strength, if you just put him first. The people, they were working so hard, they were so busy, they were never getting ahead, though. They weren't able to make ends meet. And even when that great expectation, okay, I'm going to plan even more this year, the harvest was still short. Then they obeyed what God is calling them to do. And they prospered. After a little while, God shook the entire earth and all the nations that caused the glory to fall in the house. And the people were at peace. Because I'm telling you, nothing steals your peace like not being able to make ends meet and wondering where whatever's going to be provided for and wondering how you're going to have enough time to get here, there, and there. Nothing steals your peace like that when you're just running the rat race. But there is a peace that comes when, yeah, you're still busy in life, but you've put the Lord first. He has ordered your steps. He has made your path straight. 
when you just put him first. He takes care of the mess. He cleans it all up and and then you are blessed and you can bless others. Jesus also reaffirmed this everlasting pattern for us to follow. Most of us are familiar with it here, but we're going to end with it. Matthew 6. Anybody know where I'm going with this? Don't worry, right? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And again, Jesus isn't talking about money and wealth here. He's just talking about your life. What are the things you value? When you value the things of the kingdom, when you prioritize his kingdom, kingdom things, then you've got a foundation And God can add to you and build to you and build you up even greater. Greater. In verse 25, Jesus said, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink, about your body, what you're going to wear. Life's more than food. Your body is more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away things in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Is your life not much more than they is your life not more valuable than theirs jesus didn't hang on the cross leave heaven live the perfect life hang on the cross and then raise again on the third day he didn't do that for those birdies out there he did it for you your life is that valuable that he gave up everything for surely he can take care of some clothes and food I mean, surely he spoke and created everything. Surely he can take care of our little puny needs, right? But Jesus went on. He, he said, you know, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? We have the medical evidence now that worrying actually steals away your life. You're letting the enemy still kill and destroy you by worrying. So stop doing it. It's just bad. It's just a bad habit to get into, to worry. Start turning your worry to praise. When you're like, oh, I have no idea what's going to happen here, be like, God, I thank you, because I got no idea what's going to happen here, but you do. (laughs) You're going to take care of this. You're going to work this out together for good. It sure doesn't look good to me. Sure doesn't feel good right now, but you, Lord. And then you start giving him praise and honor and glory. And how do you think the Lord responds to that? Whew, he'll bless you. But how do you think he's going to respond when you're like, oh gosh, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Okay, I need to do this. I need, there's overtime I can get. There, I can pick up another job. I could do this. You know. You're giving him nothing to bless. You're building your house on sand, not on the rock, right? And what happens when you build your house on sand? It might be really pretty for a season. But then the storms of life come. Because they come on the just and the unjust. They come. Which one stands, though? Only the one built on Jesus, the first, the firm foundation. And Jesus went on, and he said, why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers in the field and how they grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of those fields. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, that's here today and gone tomorrow, that's cast in the fire, how much more will he take care of you? Why do you have such little faith? Don't worry saying, what should I eat? What should I drink? What should I wear? Pagans, the worldly people, they run after all those things. And guess what? 
Your heavenly Father knows you need them. There's nothing evil about those things. You need to eat. You need to put on clothes. You need to work. There's nothing evil or wrong with all those things. God knows you need to take care of them. But this is what Jesus says in verse 33. Seek first, first, first his kingdom, his righteousness. Think about Mary and Martha. One of them was busy making a meal. The other one was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Which one did Jesus bless? He knew they needed to eat. He knew the preparations needed taken care of. But, which one was it? Mary chose better. She chose the better thing. It's not that one was evil and one was good. They were both good. But one chose the better thing. Jesus putting him first. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom.
anything 